0: I'm joined now by the Professor Emeritus at the London School of Economics, and Prince. Gwythian, welcome to the program.
1: Good evening, George.
0: What do you make of all this?
1: Well, there are several things, and I was just listening to your responses to the Twitterati. Um, firstly, yes, we knew this was coming. There was no great surprise because the, the Daesh, the uh, Islamists, uh, I'm glad to say, are being put under increasing pressure in Syria. And so we knew they were going to strike out again. But in answer to the Twitterati who've been criticizing you, let's uh, let's deal with what we know on the fact. And uh, as listeners will know from our conversations over the years, um, my special subject is in the area of security. My nickname at ITV was Dr. Doom, because every time something went wrong, they called me up, and here we are today. So what are the facts that uh, your colleagues, who are twittering need to pay attention to. Firstly, if they haven't read Saeed Qutb's Milestones, which is the foundation text of the Muslim Brotherhood, they really ought to. Because do these people at least the courtesy of understanding why it is that they hate us quite as much as they do? Um, we shouldn't pretend that there isn't a problem here because pretending just makes the problem worse. But I think that what's happened in these nice raises actually four issues that are worth flagging this evening, George. Uh, the first two are very obvious, um, and the first has been much discussed in France today, and it's the ongoing anxiety about problems uh, in the French security services. And this is a continuation of the worry that there was that they weren't able to uh, catch the people before the perpetration of the November um, a guerrilla terrorist attacks in Paris. Uh, likewise, that they didn't have Tabs on the individual who clearly was known to the French security services, although they they didn't manage to grab him beforehand. The second issue is very neuralgic and, of course, was an issue very much in the minds of the people on this side of the Irish Sea in the referendum because it touches on the security of borders. Um, The control of Daesh lives in the badlands of northern Syria and. Iraq. So that what's happening in Europe now is is teleguided from those areas. And we know, as a matter of fact, that there was movement between Syria and France quite extensively before the November attacks. We don't know the situation with this present one yet, but we can be we can be fairly sure that there is an issue related to the security of EU borders, which the British people decided they actually don't want to have to go on trying to sort that problem out. They're going to take back control of their own borders. But the other two issues, which we might want to talk about a bit more, go back, George, to discussions we had, my goodness me, when we st- when I started having the privilege of talking on the right hook when the right hook was new, right after 9-11, because we have signals for the perpetrators yeah. sent by the things in, okay. that happen in these, and we have signals for us, the victims. So we might want to look at both.
0: But it's it, like you've been talking to us for 14 years now um, through all the great geopolitical stories that happened at that time. How do you answer people who say... This is not uh, a problem of ISIS or the Islamic Brotherhood. This, uh, this um, and other atrocities were committed by citizens of the country in which the atrocity took place, like uh, the, the last night, he's a French citizen.
1: Yes, well, he seems to have been a Tunisian, actually, uh, of Tunisian birth, but a French citizen. And yes, the difficulty is where people have loyalties, when they actually have uh, double loyalties, Or whether if they are Islamists, and I refer back again to reading Qutub's foundation text for the Brotherhood, it tells you quite clearly that your religious duty is to have a single loyalty, um, and that loyalty is not to the country of which you are a citizen. And that is a huge problem, because if you have a community which has a religious belief that says that it uh, will not uh, integrate, and furthermore, that it regards as kafir, that is to say, as, as heretics, uh, the, the majority population in the societies where they live, we have a huge problem. And the French, as, as you know, uh, have approached this uh, with with closed eyes for many years, because they simply locked away these, these North African immigrants into these grim suburbs around the big cities. And now this seems to be where many of these problems have come from. But you see, I, I think that the Nice attack, which is, Peculiar in the number of casualties that it's produced, as everybody's saying today. But it's also peculiar in two other ways. Firstly, it is extremely cleverly designed, and I use that word in a neutral sense, George. It's just looking at it as a as a as a military operation, because they clearly they chose uh, a place where they get, could guarantee that they were going to get maximum world media attention by attacking. Um, the the Boulevard des Anglais in Nice, full of tourists, and doing it with a lorry, which is the traditional weapon of attack of jihadists. It's what they did, uh, for example, when they blew up the military headquarters in Mosul in June of 2014 and they have done this in other places Sorry, too.
0: Gwen you, you, you say there, you use the plural, you you say, like, they plan this very cleverly, and mm. they decide. You, clearly, you don't believe that this is uh, a lone wolf attack by a deranged man.
1: Well, we don't know is the yes. answer to that. But what we do know is that there's a sort of playbook, and this is what happens in the world of the Internet, which is that many of the ideas, like using trucks, like, uh, for example, look at the day of the week on which this attack happened. It happened on the eve of the Holy Day for Muslims, which is a way of sending a sort of, a sort of subliminal message to people from the Islamic State to say that this is a sort of religiously legitimated attack, uh, just in the same way that they chose the date so carefully at 9-11. So all of those things can be picked up by individuals. But in this case, I would be surprised, frankly, if we find that it's a lone wolf, because early reports suggest that there were also weapons uh, found in this in this lorry as well. But the, the other symbolism, of course, is, is what it means for the victim, And this was very carefully, very carefully chosen. Uh, firstly, as I've already said, because it, it maximized the chance of international media attention by choosing a tourist location. And secondly, a time when French people were focusing on the issue of the celebration of the French Republic, which was Bastille Day, 14th of July. And so to choose that day, it has all sorts of resonances because it's saying to them, it's saying to the French people, we can touch you in the places where you have fun on the sun, in the sun. And we can hit you on the days that are of greatest significance to you. So it's supposed to maximize people's fear of powerlessness.
0: But the the issue for a country like Ireland, there are people uh, sending me messages, for instance, which are saying there is no way there will ever be a terrorist attack of this nature in Ireland. Now, isn't that deeply worrying?
1: Well, it is, because I'm afraid I don't know where they get their certainty that that would be so. Uh, my country is acutely aware that uh, we face this as a, as a daily risk, and mercifully we have uh, intelligence services who work quietly behind the scenes, and, and their success, this is one of the ironies of their work, is, is when nothing happens. Um, and so largely speaking, we manage to avoid these things, and, and there is cooperation, I have absolutely no doubt, uh, between your your country and mine in these sorts of matters. We are all allies in facing this remorseless threat, which comes from, as as we're describing, George, and as your Twitter critics need to understand, a very remorseless and completely unconditional type of terrorism. This is not, to take a very direct example, this is not like the IRA in the north of Ireland, because it had a political demand. In other words, you could satisfy that demand and they would they would go away. These people are not like that. This is a sort of a position which says everything about you we do not accept. Unless you will convert, or unless you become dimmy in the phrase, that is to say unless you become slaves of the caliph, the only other option for you is to die. And that's what you find when you read Said Kutub. Which people should do if they have any doubt about what the ideology is of the Muslim Brotherhood, which drives these people?
0: All right, my guest, of course, is the professor emeritus of uh, uh, in in the sorry the London School of Economics, Gwynne Prince, who who first spoke to us 14 years ago. All that time on the program, and almost every geopolitical issue, Gwyn has been there to 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 explain things to us. Yeah. I, in a way, am worried about one thing on a personal level: is that although uh, I, I, I think we're sleepwalking, and I think um, we 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 are simplistic in everything we do, defending against this is unbelievably difficult.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. Um, I, I have a very good friend who is the professor at the, the Military Academy Saint Cyr in Paris. And Professor Flichy de lavie was on French television today, and he made a point that I'd like to pass on for people to think about. He said, there is no technical solution, because what you're dealing with here is a religious and a cultural attack, which is what I've just been trying to describe. And unless you can disarm it in those terms, then you can only block it in technical means and by intelligence. So. It's a sort of it, it, it's a it's, it's a fundamental question about a conversation between cultures and at the moment there is no conversation because this particular branch of Islamism is systematically deaf it just doesn't Want to listen,
0: but it it, it, if you talk about Muslims, I mean, we've just got over Ramadan. I'm reasonably certain every Muslim in Ireland didn't actually fast during during Ramadan. No more than every Jew in Ireland didn't necessarily have, you know, swear off bacon for his breakfast. Or like recently, the number of Sikh taxi drivers who've taken me home who don't wear the turban. Surely there must be a substantial percentage. Of the Muslim communities in our countries who abhor this?
1: Look, it's not just a substantial number, it's the vast majority. And those traditions, those quietest traditions within Islam, like Sufi, for example, um, and and others, they are engaged in asymmetric civil war. And this is why they need to hear from us, their allies and their friends. They need to hear not only the words that say we. See you as legitimate members of our society, but that we recognise the true nature of your enemies, who are our enemies, who are the Islamists, and that's why in this conversation I've been uh, respectfully urging those people who've been uh, offering you these generalisations to go away and actually read what these people believe, because once we say to the the quietists, to the 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 vast majority of normal Muslims who are citizens of our countries and who just want to be allowed to get on with their own lives in the toleration which our democracies permit. Once we say to them, we actually understand the nature of this minority, and we will support you as you try to deal with the radicalization of your young people, and we will help you in resisting that, then we are in with a chance. But if we have a sort of wishy-washy relativism that says ah well somehow there's implicit racism if you suggest that there's something wrong here then we are lost,
0: But if you go back to your school days, I go back to mine, and then I go to my children's and my grandchildren. In all those schools, in Britain and Ireland and France and Germany and Italy, there were inspections of the schools. We we knew what the the curriculum was, all that. But in these um, uh, Muslim schools in in both our countries, there's, like, last night on television, there were real concerns about the mosque here in Klanski and its, its relationship with the Islamic Brotherhood uh, in in the Middle East, uh, but nobody goes nobody goes in the door of the place and examines what young people are being taught there.
1: Well, that that is true uh, in in many cases. I mean, I'll take a particular case which was famous in this country, and you may know of it also the the Trojan Horse investigation of um, Islamist radicalization of schools in Birmingham. Yes, uh, that study, which was done in great detail by the former uh, head of counterterrorism and met, Peter Clark, um, and then I read the study, is absolutely hair-raising, because it shows the comprehensive nature, uh, on the one hand, of the radicalization, and on the other, of the suppression, if you like, the blackmailing of anybody who went against these people. And that's why I made the point that I just did, George, that if we do not support the vast majority of people who Within the faith of Islam, do not support this way of uh, conducting themselves, and who are horrified. If we don't show them that we understand the nature of their of their enemy in this civil war within the Ummah, then they are going to feel even more betrayed and left alone. So we have to be resolute, and I hope very much that uh, our new prime minister, who's just spent a term as uh, the longest serving prime secretary of the, the last hundred years. And who's very well familiar with these things. I hope that she's going to make sure that her successor in office, Amber Rudd, is extremely firm in pursuing this agenda oh. in our country. And I hope that, that your authorities will do the same in yours.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining me, the Professor Emeritus uh, at the London School of Economics, uh, Gwyn Prince. And I must say, uh, long may Gwyn continue to contribute uh, to the Right talk.